Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Hello, this is Catholic Stuff. This Father is, Mike. Hey, Father, Father Mike, Father Nathan. Hello? Yeah, hey. Are you there? Hello? Yep. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, this is us. It is... Are we rolling? The third week of Advent... Uh, we didn't really do a, t- a sound check. We're an essential it's... business, folks. Woo! New so, categories. So we uh, we needed to get rolling on this podcast. So we are not recording in a separate location. We are recording with sneeze guards over the microphones, and um, we are socially distant. Dude, I'm getting used to the new normal. Finally. And I didn't want to for the longest time, but now it's inevitable. And I catch myself wearing my mask when I get in the car When to you drive. drive, yeah. Or, You're one of those guys. Or like I'm walking around the house and people are like, what are you wearing that thing for? But it's just uh, absent-mindedness and what? Becoming accustomed? The breakthrough that I had was uh, somebody taught me to put a Kleenex, a uh, rolled up Kleenex over my nose and it prevents the fogging of your glasses. Yes, that and is a problem. That is Although I haven't replaced my glasses, so I don't... I'm still... Uh, that's a project for next week. Replacing your glasses? Yeah. But I think that might have been part of the hesitation to get new ones. Was You should definitely the do, fog up the, do the it before the end fog? of the year, yeah. Yeah. Why? Get, get your benefit. <clears throat> oh. Yeah, I didn't think about that stuff. Yep. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it, even a higher grade lens will prevent it from fogging because uh, mine are pretty, pretty high end, and, and I don't think, I don't think that they're like fog resistant. No, it's just the direction of that. I think you have to have the kind of mask. You know, there's a mask with the like Darth Vader kind of, you know, vent- ventilator. What is that one? Have Have you used that one? Yeah, I have never. I've never used those. Yep. That might help. I don't know. Apparently, that one is like the aggressive one because that means that everybody else has to breathe your air. Oh. <laughs> so not only are you protecting <laughs> yourself from other people, purpose, but everybody else has to breathe your air. So, Well, don't they always? Don't we all have to? Inevitably, it's in the air, I would think. I, don't, I guess it can go through one of them HIPAAs or something. Yeah, not with the N95. I think it pretty much stays. It filters out. I don't know. Particles. Yeah, I don't know. But we're here. We're an essential business. We're enjoying ourselves. We're back. We are. That's it. That's it. Your curls are looking good. Yeah, I. Dude, I might have to. I don't want to like throw you under the bus here, but I think you might be getting a little gray there. Dude, you are the second person in two days to tell me that. Well, uh, I have it too. The first so I'm one. I'm not like was, trying to single you out. First here. one was Archbishop. He literally is staring at me uh, in the sun, and he goes, "What?" You have so much gray hair. And I'm like, <laughs> that's an thank exa- you. That's an exaggeration, the- Bishop. He's jealous because he's bald. Our bishop is bald. Good man, bald man. I didn't say he was bald, but... I do. Uh, no, uh, yeah, the, it's in the, in the sun, you can definitely see it. It's, you know, a little just for men. So just that, for men's going to cover what, it. How do you... Uh, what's your it. angle on this thing? Is it the stress of a pastor or is it genes and time? I have no, I have no control over it. I got my first gray hair when I went to uh, Cabrini. I remember the day that I that I found it. Um, uh, it was in my second year of Cabrini. I got my first gray hair, um, and then now it's just like forget it. You know. So. Well, is it is it an old wives' tale? This well, thing about stress stress makes you gray. I uh, according to Father Joseph Lajoie, apparently every single pastor who started in in his position at Sacred Heart, has left with gray hair. And if you look at most of the presidents, that's the same thing. Interesting. Except, you know, the Don, because uh, he's just, he's rocking the... Maybe it's a gift to rock. people with much... The to, hoary, to, to which much is The entrusted. hoary crown of wisdom, if that's you will. That's it. That's it. I'm not sure what hoary means, but I've heard that before. That's in wisdom. Just wisdom? Well, it's the Book of Wisdom. But it what the the word? I like, think it, it, like dignified. Yeah, I think honorable, it's dignified. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. The the H O A R Y. It's the laurel. 
Just, okay, right off the top of your head, two questions. One, if you were going to have a dog, what is the name that you would name your dog now? Squirt. Squirt. I don't know. You just asked for that really quick. That was not a lot of Second question. If you uh, were able to name a child, what would you name him? Don't say squirt. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Carl came to mind. Nice. But I was just I was just hanging with Deacon Charles. That might be. Yeah. I don't know. You can't ask. These are important things, dude. And when I say squirt, I don't mean like little one. I mean like the soda. My my sister my sister always like she already knew when she had another if she ever had a boy she was gonna name it Gate, Ethan Gate. The so, middle name is Gate. Yeah, Ethan Gate, G A T E. Is it because she's not bold enough to just go for it with the first name Gate? I don't know. I, I I don't know. She didn't. She had a she had a girl this time, Lily and Hope. All right. Well, well, no. I'm going to throw this back at you. Here what about? Well, for the dog. Sure. Uh, originally, I wanted to name my dog Jockety. Um, I wanted to name it Jockety for the um, Cardinals uh, president of operations or whatever. Oh, but I was then gonna ask who Jockety. But is. then he got they got a new one named Mozilliac and uh, you know whatever. But now I've settled on Tecumseh. Short for William Tecumseh Sherman. Um, the uh, I was just watching a Civil War documentary, and uh, Tecumseh sounds like a pretty good name. Where did he get it? Is it a Native American thing? I don't know. I I, I wanted to do some more research into it. I think I, I'm not sure. That one is hard for me to make a nickname out of. Tecumseh. But you could, yeah, but you. Could, I call him Taco. Taco. Yeah. All right. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so that's the name. As far as a child is concerned, that that's a that's a little different, you know. Sometimes you just go through. Yes, thank you. Well, glad, you go through different. You, you go through that. different phases where you're like, oh, it's got to be this one, it's got to be this one, and then later it's like, ah, oh, well, I guess it could be this. So I think parents they really they have a tough. They Wait, have a you go tough through job. names? Have oh, you yeah. lined up names for your kids? No, this is this is going to dovetail well with my topic. Listen I to me. Talk about no, it's perfect. But so uh, when. Mary Heller was pregnant with her second child. I almost convinced her to name her child Perpetua Perpetua Rose. Perpetua. Yeah. Well, beautiful, why not? I like that. Beautiful name. Sure. And she said, I just, I just can't do it. So she went with Catherine Rose. Beautiful name, beautiful daughter, you know, Princess Kate, whatever, you know. But I was, I was so close almost getting them to name it, you know, Perpetua Rose. Perpetua Rose. So, I mean, sometimes these, you know, certain names, it's like, yeah, that would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I've. The name that I've I want to bring back is. i trying to promote of the child Jesus. Matilda. And I've said that before on this show, and no one has really followed, followed up with me about that. What, Joe of the child Jesus? Anything, any first name, but middle name of the child Jesus. Tecumseh of the child Jesus. That's there it. We go. There you go. Well, that's see, that's beautiful, though. Yeah. That's a nice name. The uh, uh, the name that I'm trying to resurrect is Matilda, or the the Irish. I think it's Irish or German. Mechtilde, M C H T I L D E, Mechtilde. Yeah, I'm gonna say good for you. She's a proponent. I'm, I'm not. She's a proponent <laughs> of the Sacred really. Heart. It's like, come on. Yeah, I like that part. Right. Anywho. Um, what about Matilda of the Child Jesus? Yep. Well, I'm on board then. All right. If that's it, then that's what we're going. So with. your topic today is about naming. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. You want me to get into it? Here, here's he caught my subtle hint. How could he? Here's my. That was so subtle, folks. I don't ever Delicate. know, like when to turn the corner because I like banter. I do too. I hate to tell you, but I know these people want business. They want some. Listen, if you're ever ready for the the, the 100% banter episode, I'm I'm down. (laughs) It would drive John crazy. Well, I haven't. I don't have. I don't see you very often, and I like bantering with you because I think you're a funny guy, and funny looking guy with that gray hair now. So, my sister just had a baby. They named her Sophie Marie. Nice. It's kind of like a her husband. Wisdom of Mary is beautiful. It's a great name. And um, so I'm, I'm over there holding the baby. We're careful. I'm, I have been careful. You know, this is a time of pandemic, you know, world panic. And I don't want to get the kid sick, so I've been careful. But I was on the meal train, 
Nice. And I made them some real fancy dinner. Whoa. I mean, it was nice. It was like a squash soup with a, like butternut squash soup. And then oh, I yeah. did a salad with like a roasted carrot ginger dressing wow. that I found. Ooh, it was nice. And it was a kale salad. It was, oh, yeah. And then um, what did I do? I did a chicken piccata. And, um, well, I don't want to be too, you don't know them anyway. Y'all, y'all in the listener land. But they, <laughs> the response was like, well, wow, um, okay. Um, well, you know, sometimes we like to get adventurous with our food. What? You know? Oh. <laughs> so it was basically, nah, where's the chicken fingers? Uh, we yeah, they want We don't really eat this They stuff. want a lasagna. So they were very gracious. Um, it just, you can see it in their eyes. Yeah. You see, like, the disappointment. Well, it's a little involved. It is. It was. No, it was. And it's it's particular. Yeah. You know, not not everybody likes squash and, I don't know. I think it was was edgy. Anyway, I'm going to try it again for the companions and see. That's right. You know, it's going to take three strikes to make me abandon my butternut squash soup. Okay, so, anyway, I'm over there, and my sister just had this kid. I'm, I'm a godfather for my other sister's kid joshua francis and she's got another little guy who's getting older he's starting to talk and you know running around jumping off of stuff man he makes me laugh so run up on the couch and then he'll jump off and um just reminds me of my my youth and he's kind of doing like youth parkour he is that's it that's it and he doesn't he's not a very good judge of like this couch is soft but that table's not gonna be Mm -hmm. you know and it's but he's he's also tough, you know. That kid can take some lumps. So anyway, I'm hanging out with these folks occasionally here and there, and it it makes me really happy in the moment, and then sad afterward. Like I go home and uh, into prayer, or next day or something, it'll hit me. And I'm like, I don't get to be a father mm. of children that way. You know, of course we're spiritual fathers. Da 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 da. Sure, but. Um, I was told in seminary, you're going to have to mourn different aspects of celibacy. Right. That you're going to have to mourn at some point that you don't um, get the intimacy and the friendship of a dating relationship, a, a um, engagement and, and marriage. Um, you're going to have to mourn not having sex and just the, the natural pleasure and um, kind of, I don't, it's just, there's so much to that whole like language and expression and mm-hmm. creativity and joy and uh, like inviting someone else into the joy and um, then you're going to have to uh, mourn not being like other people and you're also not you're going to have to mourn not having a family and not having children and I think I've gone through a lot of those stages even you know kind of doubled back and at various times and uh, but right now I am feeling like Maybe this is a particularly uh, quiet and lonely time in ways mm-hmm. with the pandemic. Yeah. You know, certainly not as much social interaction and with friends and such. And um, But I looked at that and I said, no, yeah, that really is good. It's a really good thing humanly. And I I think part of it is just the... Uh, oh, Father John is here to take dishes. Father John has done a very nice job of hospitality. I'm still finishing my. Got out recently for not being hospitable, so I got to up my ante. I'm my pumpkin roll. My pumpkin roll. I'm not with my pumpkin roll yet. That was Luke's pumpkin roll. Hey, I did. I just ate Luke's last pumpkin roll. I don't. But I don't like desserts. I don't really care about your pumpkin roll. (laughs) Thank you, though, for the Father John for the delivery. Hey, he really is hospitable. That was. What did you check him on? You must have said something strong. I like this. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. All right, that's yeah, that's brotherhood. Well, okay, so that's kind of what I'm talking about. There's like a human um, refinement, or like maturity, or like the part of the experience really helps you to become more human. Yeah. The patience that people learn from raising kids, right? You can't replace that. There are certain virtues that you learn only by by enjoying certain uh, difficulties. Yeah. By um, like cooperation and negotiation that it takes in a relationship, yeah. Um, the creativity where you have to sort of say, okay, well, we've been together for a long time and we kind of 
developed patterns of how we relate and how do we how do we keep it fresh or how do we um, you know continue to progress or something I don't you know all these different aspects and it's it's so immediate I think that's the thing it's so immediate that you can't really live any other way you can't escape it even if you wanted to momentarily here and there mm. and it, that makes it sound like okay this is the hard aspects of it but it has a consequence which is really good it just makes people better yeah you know and so in part it's like i am sad that i won't get to see little mikey's running around cuz that'd or be michelle's. cool or little michelle's of the child jesus right 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 and um and to get to see someone else and just like what could you know our personalities and our our whole personhood, our being kind of um, turn into with a family and kids and all this stuff. And doing weddings and you have the, like, may they live to see their children's children yes, at a happy, happy old, old age. age. That's such a beautiful yeah. image. and so satisfying about life. Um, and then, you know, so just the, the reality of having kids and all that goodness. And then yeah. also, like, there are limitations I've found with my own life in terms of like virtue, trying to grow in virtue, and just finding like I can only do so much, and my circumstances can only do so much. I go to the same kind of work, I'm around the same kind of people, and you can't just will to be different or better. And that's where the change of circumstance, the extreme change of circumstances with family life actually refines people in a way that I'm like, oh, well, am I going to have to live with myself impatient or yeah. um, kind of selfish in ways that um, it's just kind of like disappointing. And I know that it's not, I don't want to be fatalistic, you know. I know well, God, God is there helping us along. And but every vocation has its drawbacks. And I think that that's part of, that's part of what we acknowledge you know, not being able to enjoy certain aspects of, of married life and the whole of married life. I was actually thinking the other day, I was like, my my sister-in-law is a very good cook. I bet my sister and, you know, my brother, like, are have become better cooks because they have kids and they have to cook every day or they are expected to cook at least four to five times a week. And I'm kind of like, oh, man, I got I had all this time. I'm going to make something, you know, for Saturday or whatever. But it's like they have to cook most days of the week. So they're going to be better at certain things than I'm, I'm ever going to be because they will probably have 2,000 more chances Meals, yeah. at doing it than I'll ever have. Yeah, you're never going to be Nona. You're never going to be the, the grandma kind of. who's the master. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking about the, uh, this guy. This guy gave a forty-minute eulogy today. It was a little tough. Ooh, mama! Yeah. We tell them um, no more than five minutes. Well, we tell them that understanding t- that they're going to probably go to seven. We or, tell seven them that too, but whatever. But one of the things that he was saying was like everybody makes the same dishes as mom, but nobody has done it as good as mom. Yeah, like mom. Yeah. And I think I think there is a way in which when you form the habit, there is a particular way of doing it. Like, uh, that is unique to you, your own personal love, your own unrepeatable love. So, anyways, but that's true. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm not trying to, like, this at this stage, I'm just kind of recognizing that reality. And, and I know that there's also lots of virtues that, or, or kind of experiences that priests get that the average person doesn't get. Sure. You know, like, I get to interact with so many different kinds of people and situations and in a real unique way that other people you know don't have but yeah i guess so where i wanted to go with it was this kind of um i think a lot of people have a response it's certainly outside the church they'll give you this kind of response of well why why would you choose celibacy i want that for you i want these good things for you yes you know a wife You'd be a good husband. Why would you, you know? live a deprived life? Um, I don't want you to be lonely. I mm-hmm. I want you to have family. You'd be a good father, and that seems like something that would fit well, or some, you know, these kind of comments. And I I know that um, 
it would be very hard to understand from the outside, you know, from if you're not Catholic, if you're not a Christian, you know, if you don't have any of the formation of like Jesus and his intentions and the whole idea of living for something beyond, then it would be understandably very strange or not, not strange, but just a kind of, I don't know, like a sad thing to see someone make that choice. Even the Jewish mindset is like, like you should live abundantly. Like you should have a fruitfulness, a fertility. Psalm 128, you know, like your wife, like a, uh, like a fruitful olive tree, you know, like uh, around your table, your children like olive plants around your table. Um, yeah, that's like the definition of a good life. life forever, you know, light blessing, life forever. Like this is, this is an image of, of the, the blessing of the Lord, you know. So for us, it's like you're, you're willingly and deliberately choosing not to live that. That's sad. Yeah. So, and the idea that you live on in the memory of the people who are alive and like if you don't have your children and your, mm. you know, grandchildren and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but I think also even within the church, then people, I can see, I can see. And sometimes people will say the same things that people would say on the outside. Just like they feel sad for me mm-hmm. or for priests or whatever. Yeah. And, so I was kind of reflecting on that. It helps me to um, kind of think on the reasons why I have seen that celibacy is really good. Because I kind of quickly, uh, my response usually to people is kind of a mixture of defensiveness. Like, this is, this is okay. This is okay. I don't resent this. When people say, you know, wouldn't you love for a priest to be married? I'm like, no, no, I don't. I don't think that's necessary. And I think Jesus has called me to celibacy. But then, so there's this this kind of immediate like, well, don't rush into this thing about like the world and the church would be a better place. Or let's just, let's just make a, a change for the good of like, because um, I feel bad for you or something like that. Okay, so th- there's that piece of like defensiveness. Make an exception because and then, you're sad. Uh, and then I really do have reasons why I think the celibacy is really good, like really positive goods. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to, I was kind of thinking on those. And so one of them is just a, a simple uh, example, like a constant example within the church, among Christians, among Christians, of like this really radical gift of self, right? So... Across cultures, you look at, say, the, the Far East, and you have, uh, in Buddhism, you've had celibacy for a long time among monks. You know, this doesn't come from Judeo-Christianity or anything. It's just an expression of, here's the highest goods. If you give those up, it's evident that you're living for something else. Yes. You know, it's a radical cho- choice of sacrifice. Yeah, you're pointing towards something. Yeah, Right. And it's so I think in our in our language when we talk about celibacy, it's like a prophetic sign, right? It's saying that the life of the kingdom of heaven is worth making sacrifices for. That God doesn't miss any of this stuff. Isn't like you know, won't won't honor us, won't satisfy us at you know, in the long run or something like mm-hmm. that. And so I think that that radical sign is very important, and it's 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 not like I'm better than anybody, or um, I should feel sorry for myself somehow for like I'm you know gonna throw away my life. It's it's that this helps when people are struggling and wondering whether or not they should make a sacrifice for Jesus. It's always like like this constant sign that's there saying you can do that. It's possible. It's possible. You know, right? Instead of like. Leaving it as an idea of, yeah, I should. Yeah, I should leave everything behind for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then if nobody's like got a real powerful, like symbolic kind of example, right? All I, right. So I g- feel the same way with the sisters whenever I see their religious sisters, like the Missionaries of Charity or the Sisters of Life or the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Like, it's like they're sold out. Like, it's a reminder of like, this is what we should be about. Like they, they're, they're, they're not just living like a religious professionalism. Like they forfeited 
you know, major goods for the sake of something greater. And it's a good reminder to me. It's like, that's what I'm supposed to live to. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a trickle down thing. Like the religious are the real intense <laughs> ones, but they, not everybody knows them. And then, you know, your local priest who's not as intense, not that we can't be or shouldn't be, but that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we might not be, but, but we are celibates and, that's that has I think a similar effect, but I'm totally with you. When I look at religious, I'm like, thank you, you give me hope for, and 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 the joy. I love that about the missionaries of charity that like let go, let go of everything, and you'll yeah. be happy. And they have evident joy, and it's obvious. Yeah. Okay, so um, here's a couple of other goods. I don't know if you if you you can just toss in stuff if you if you like, but I've kind of done the brainstorm, so I. Don't want to leave you. Brainstorm. This is like, come up with the kid's name on you. <laughs> Squirt is all I could come up with. Squirt. Um, okay, so th- there's that prophetic sign value, and then this is kind of a historical argument. It's very pragmatic, but I like it because I'm a pragmatist. That is that the... I think it's like 98% of Catholics, 95% of Catholics are Roman Catholics. Okay. okay. So the the celibacy as a requirement for priests was is is a phenomenon of the Roman Church. And it started I think as a rule in the 5th century in Spain, right? And in other places in throughout Catholicism, all these different rites, there's 21 rites in the Catholic Church. Most of those places have become a kind of nationalist church and um, settled into a local culture and really have their roots there and then have a hard time kind of branching out from that. You might say, well, like during the Byzantine Empire, the, the geography was wider, but the missionary efforts, not exclusively, but almost like really um, the great majority of missionary efforts come from the celibate reality of the Roman church, mm-hmm. yeah. right? It's, and it's pretty simple to understand the logic of the freedom and availability of celibates <coughs> to be able to go <coughs> and evangelize the world. Right. To have their lives threatened, to travel a long way, you know. To forfeit I, lands. I know there are families who are missionaries, but it's, it's the exception, Right. It's very difficult and unstable yeah. to bring your family into a, a situation like the missionaries can go into. Right. And I think celibacy allows for that, that so, apostolic experience from the very beginning, and then something that's been carried out. Some people say that it only has to do with the passing down of property, um, that you know the reason why we don't have married clergy is because then the the property of the church would go into the hands of the married wife, the widowed wife, and then pass down to their kids. But it's like, no, actually, oh, I never even heard that. Like, but I, 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 that makes some sense. I think we're just supposed to like be more available. We're actually freer. Uh, we're not as tied down to some of these other things. And I actually, I don't think that canonically you can you can alienate church property and give it to. You know, even your children, even if you were a, a religious, even excuse me, even if you were married clergy. Um, so sometimes that argument's kind of strange, but I would, I think that's interesting that you know the the men who sailed on ships, the women that you know left you know home and country to just go and serve in these you know teaching orders like across the countries, like you know German nuns and Polish nuns and Italian nuns and. Uh, Franciscan priests and Dominican priests going to like Africa, India, uh, China, all these different places in part because like they're freer. They can go. They can leave with just a little bag or, you know, say, okay, I'll see you later. You know, I'm just going to go give my life, you know, in service to the people of God. So, Yeah, and our church here was started by Mexi- um, yeah, Spanish and Mexican Franciscans. Mm-hmm. And then a wave like the French bishop and Jesuits coming across America. And um, so just a, a lot of... 
and I think that serves as an, an analogy, not, not, or, or one type of example, this kind of missions abroad, mm. to the availability of a, a priest, at, a celibate priest anywhere, you know, like even in your parish. Just yeah. that sort of availability for people. And, um, and it's, it's always relative, just like that other piece of like total sacrifice. We don't always do it. There's, there, there are better examples than others. Yeah. And um, but in all, as like a you know, as a something systematic as an institution, it really has these kind of practical effects. Okay, here's the last one: solidarity. Okay, and this hmm. one is becoming more and more um, important to me, and also like a point of reflection and prayer. And that is that. There are lots of people who are disappointed by life or don't have things the way that an ideal life might look like. So I think of, did you ever see that Simpsons where there's like Protestant heaven and Catholic heaven? And um, there's, I mean, it's a little bit irreverent, but the Protestant heaven is the country club. And it's like the, the you know, wealthy families who are uh-huh. playing tennis and, yeah. You know, smiling and wearing nice clothes and, and saying, you know, feeling good about themselves sure. in heaven. And the Catholic heaven is like this bar brawl, Irish guys <laughs> drunk and throwing things and fighting and stuff. <laughs> and I, that comes from like a particular, you know, cultural vision and very American. But I think it does speak to one of the critiques of particularly of um, American Christianity toward the gospel, which is re- religion is for people who have it all together and um, it thrives in middle American suburbs where families, you know, people have the perfect happy family mm-hmm. and, um, you know, everything is as it, as, as it should be according to the American dream. Once you've fulfilled all of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like it's, it's a piece of a very happy life. Yeah. You know, and it's like, if it's at the very top. If you're if you don't have that satisfied life, mm-hmm. you don't fit in. You don't fit there, you know. And you're gonna go and you're gonna feel more disappointed, more sad for yourself. And I think some people feel that in our parishes. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, and I'm not I'm not trying to be hard on people who have, like, a happy marriage and a nice family life and have good work and make money and have the kind of, you know sort of American ideal, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that God holds that against us. I think that's a beautiful thing, and I try to support people toward this natural happiness as much as possible. I think Jesus loves that. But he also loves the people who wish that they had been married and never got married, couldn't find somebody, yeah. life circumstances, maybe had... Um, and there's some more extreme cases. Like I deal with a lot of people at the cathedral who are... Um, have addictions or mental illness or physical handicaps, or and they're single. There's a lot of people in that boat, and yeah. we, we kind of look and you you might look around and see the the grass is greener, mm. and think that everybody's in this sort of utopian, you know, happy family life, but there are lots and lots of people who have uh, don't have that. Wow. And I think the priest has the privilege of being there with them. Yes. You know, it's not they don't have to. They don't come around the priest and feel alienated in the same way because it's not that necessarily that we're suffering the same things, but there's a singles club, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better term. And maybe it's different because we choose this, but I also know that, uh, you know, there are others who also choose it. You know, I have friends who are who are homosexuals and who are Catholics, mm-hmm. and they choose celibacy because it's what they know is is best and what they know God wants and that God has a mission for them that involves you know being living chastity in life and and being well I mean celibacy is kind of a vow so maybe that's not the right word but like sexual abstinence and continence yeah yeah and at that kind of dedication and I'm glad to walk with them you know I'm glad to to um to be able to be with people who aren't uh, kind of don't find themselves in that very fortunate place mm-hmm. of that happy family life. Yeah. And I would 
<clears throat> I I think it's an interesting it's an interesting meditation, um, you know, about the Lonely Hearts Club, you know, in a in a way that um, that there are those who are yearning for communion, and naturally they have not yet been satisfied in uh, in the in the legitimate real good, even sacramental good of marriage. But uh, there are those who who desire to still pour their love into other person's lives. And that's a, it is a beautiful meditation to actually ponder the priest along with these others who actually saying, you do have a purpose. You're not just a, you're not just a drone. Like you have the capacity to continue to love others. And I've celebrated the funeral of a number of people who never married and their funerals aren't, it's not like, Oh my gosh, grandma and, you know, she did this or whatever else. But there is a way in which it's like, I relied on her for love. Mm. I relied on this person to actually carry me through some of the difficult times. And it's beautiful to, to know like they, through perhaps no fault of their own, were still able to give hope to other persons, even if they weren't, you know, like in the same, I don't know, in the same category. And part of that is because they've had to suffer the the loneliness, the difficulty, the the sadness, you know, waiting. Yeah. So, yeah, and that refinement. And I think it's just every life, every life matters. So, we can't judge ourselves on the did I did I get the kind of happiness and life that is praised in my hmm. society. Yeah. Um, that's not if we invest all of our like desire there, we will be disappointed. But you don't have to be. And I feel like I'm pretty happy most of the time, and I have a very meaningful life for sure. Yeah. And help a lot of people, like you're saying. And I think in the way that we can be a prophetic sign of like that radical sacrifice, we can also be a, a sign of dignity and uh, purpose, a joy and purpose. Yes. In spite of having a different life than the kind of natural end and like the satisfactions of that, you know, life. Yeah. To invite people to love again, to invite people to the, to the service of their brothers and sisters. I would say that sometimes people get so caught up in the trappings of married life that they forget, you know, what exactly are we supposed to be about? I mean, you know, raising children, serving the home, you know, uh, what is, you know, chore list, what is the, you know, meal list, what's the grocery list, like all those cares and concerns of, of running a home <clears throat> are, are important, but ultimately I wouldn't say that they're paramount and that sometimes it's helpful to have people to draw all persons to, but we do have to be about this, you know, as well. And that's what I thought is so fascinating at times about Jesus's life is that he actually draws people into, have you considered this? And the reason why he can consider it is because he doesn't have all these other considerations. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. It's like, oh, that's so sad. It's like, no, actually it's easy. Yeah, because it's freeing. I, I don't have the same responsibilities as, as others. So I think there are persons that, that benefit from from hearing that that message and and calling them to, um, yeah, an availability to what Christ has for them today, to the people that God brings them today, um, instead of just being like, ah, sorry, I got to run, I got to run home, you know, to the old battle axe, and uh, you know the ruffians. Well, and I'm not trying to idealize marriage with this either. I'm just trying to. No, I'd I think in a way, I, both. My yeah. interest is really, yeah, I love marriage, and I'm happy, and 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 I think that it has its, certainly has its take up your cross and follow me, you know. That's a that's a profound Christian vocation, and I'm not just trying to say, okay, here's an easy way out of something, you know. Um, but I, I'm I'm just trying to give people like reason to believe when a priest says celibacy is good. Yeah, and Jesus called me here because he he had a good plan for my life. Yeah. Not just okay, somebody needs to make a hard sacrifice and mm -hmm. you know, die for the cause or something like that, but 
No, these are really, it, it's a gift to a lot of people and, and the church and ourselves included. But in the greater mystery, it's service to um, a, whole, a whole host of people that we don't, it's not always we know how we serve them. But it's, it's almost like just implanted into the whole uh, body of Christ, the reality of Christ alive in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a there's a multiplicity and a and a fertility that comes from the the sacrificial love that that you're able to offer as a celibate that I'm able to offer as a celibate, but also as married people are able to offer as a cel- as a, in their life. But sometimes we have to say celibacy is 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 great but it's not it's not marriage or marriage is great but it's not celibacy and it's like look there's there's woodwinds and there's percussion and then there's brass you know yeah. and it's just like, yeah, I, like I don't need i don't need you to be me i need you to produce lives so that i can baptize them i need uh to be able to have persons that i can serve and you have your spouse that you can serve but all of us are called to to the witness of charity to actually give of ourselves, you know, for the sake of others. And, and, uh, I, I like the fact that we're actually lauding what we are about because sometimes it's like, I'm just about uh, my work. You know, you asked me how I was doing. It's like, yeah, yeah. Just work and work, work. Yeah. And it's like, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, my celibacy has a value. My gift of self has a value for the sake of, other persons, like you were saying, in a prophetic way, in a utilitarian way, like it, it, it enables me at like nine o'clock at night to be able to be free to go and serve the people that I need to be able to serve or to pack up and go and uh, drive across the country if if I was sent that, you know, to do that by my bishop or something. Um, and then the last one is just like you're in uh, uh, partisan it's solidarity. Yeah, solidarity. You're in solidarity with these persons, with other persons who don't just live a sad existence because they're not married. It's like, no, your your life is full. And what are you called to be for the sake of others? You never say people. I listened to this podcast a couple of times. You always say persons. You never say people. 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 <laughs> with people other people. You always say persons. Well, Which is cool. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, a, it's a global thing. I think part of that is Mother Teresa. She says, uh, "Person to person, one person at a time." So I oh. like thinking about it in terms of persons, because persons have persons have a destiny. Persons have mm. a uh, a personality. People is like you know how many people are there at the Broncos Stadium? Yeah, so the, it's a number. What? Rather than I, I get it. Party the time thing. I I feel it. It's just unusual. We got another person, Eustertron. What? Yeah, he's just hanging out. Father Dan Eusterman. Nanu, Nanu. A saint that I have the pleasure of living with. Bye. But he's not hanging with us. He's not hanging with us. He came for other reasons. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. But thank you. Thank you for noticing that about me. Anyway, that's the podcast. In I praise, like it. In praise of celibacy. Well, and I, I would... Thank you, Jesus. I would say, I, I appreciate this, this topic... In part because I want, I would like others to even consider like celibacy and virginity. And we haven't done one in relation to something like this, possibly since uh, Celebatio Celebratio. Yeah, I think... It's been a while. I mean, I know we've we've covered some of this stuff before, but I, I part of it is just like, you know, something that's kind of come back to my prayer and is on the forefront because of this, these kids coming into my life, you know, my yeah. nieces and nephews. Right. And I th- it's great. I mean, I really have enjoyed that meditation. Because sometimes you do just get busy. I get busy. You know, I've just been teaching, 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 and yeah. working at the cathedral and everything. And so the, even, you know, that, those kids have an effect on me, like bringing me back to the heart, yes. making me feel things again, right. instead of just, racing through life with my projects and even allowing yourself to feel the absence is uh, is a is a is a way of knowing you're still alive you're you're alive and like you can actually mourn things and sacrifice things and offer things um and and ask yourself why is it 
that I don't have this? And at the same time, what is it that I do have? Instead of just like, oh, what was me? I'll never have another another Michelle running around. Oh, so Of the child Jesus. Yeah. So, anywho. Okay, well, I, I think it's great. Thank you. Cool. All right, well. Dancing through life. Father Chris Considine is a big musical guy. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So you know, I'm, it might be a secret love. I don't think I'm passionate no, about it. I know. No, I'm not. But I've seen enough of them. I am I'm not. A, my mom likes those things. Not passionate about musicals. If there's one thing that I do not want at <laughs> any point is any association of Catholic stuff you should know with musicals. With music. Well, don't say it then. You know our audience. Well, you were just mentioning They're something and write you a musical. Oh my god. Barf. Starring Father John and Father Nathan. You know what? One of the be- one of the best. Actually, I will say one of the best uh, musicals I ever saw was because of Colleen Gieschek. She took us to go see You're in Town. Whoa, You're in Town. Is it a play on words or is it just? Yes, okay. it was about a wastewater facility. I love it. You're in Town. Okay, never uh, seen it. And uh, they, I like the premise for a musical. They held it. They held it at the the uh, water purification, like the wastewater wow. on South Platte. See? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Well, with that kind of artistry, I might be in. All right. But I was raised, you know, my mom would make us watch Rodgers and Hammerstein. Okay. This kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, okay. It was just kind of cheesy. But is Rodgers and Hammerstein like an actual musical, or that's just the people who made the musicals? They made a bunch of them. That's like King and I, and yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't even think of them now. But yeah, I mean, uh, those, there's a lot of Christmas ones too. My the mom only, likes those. The only one that I really enjoyed, and I will admit this, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, is Meet Me in St. Louis. Never uh, seen with it. Judy Garland uh, because that's my sister's favorite. Um, so. But so I, it's not that all musicals. It's just I don't want people thinking that you know Father Nathan is now like you know musically. You I don't think you got to be into it. I don't think you got to be into it to to call yourself a, a human person. I'm a little sensitive right now, and this is the reason why. Terry Wright listened to our last podcast, and he said, "What is this I hear that you guys are shopping on Amazon?" And um, I don't that know. wasn't my podcast. It was me and John or whatever. So then it's like great. Somebody's going to find out something about musicals, and then they're going to send us a bunch of stuff on Amazon, and, and it's like, okay. So Terry Wright gets his way. Not a big fan of musicals. Don't send us stuff from Amazon. Please shop at local businesses. Yeah, Help okay. support I'm glad you explained that. His problem with the Amazon is that right. he's a distributionist. Yeah, distributist. And he's distributist, and he's all about yes. you know, work, working together with your local economy. Right, which I agree with. I love it. So, anyways... All right, no, can, I, I, no can, I, can we support a small business? Yeah. Here we go. Go ahead, hit it. Fathers, uh, Nathan, John, and Mike, please accept these rosaries as a gift. I'm starting a rosary-making business called Perfectly Flawed. I would be honored if you would just give me a shout-out and use my rosaries. I am including a favorite rosary. Please give it to someone who needs it. Sincerely, in Christ, Huey Daigle. Huey Daigle. Perfectly flawed rosaries. Thanks, Huey. You know I love our lady. And truly, um, I have been using I have been using this model for probably the last three months. I can honestly say that it's an excellent rosary. Dude, um, that's the Corvette of rosaries. The beads. I am looking at it. The beads are uh, glorious unique. machine here. Like they don't um, like they're not the same size. So I do like the fact that the, our father bead is a little bigger, and it's you know. Separate enough that I don't pray 15 Hail Marys, and it's a nice cross. Am I looking so, at shells? No, they're just with beads. those big beads? So, okay, I'm going to give you... All right, there are three bags. I feel like St. Nicholas here. Yeah, Wait, did you steal one already? Christmas comes early. I'm dreaming of a one. Did you steal one already? <laughs> you like musicals? Uh, I don't have one. No, you never... All right, you want... This little felt bag. You want... Uh, Red or black? Oh, I'm excited, man. Um, red or silver? Uh, red. Martyrs. Yeah. Dancing through life. <laughs> Give me the guy's name again. Uh, Huey Daigle. Thanks, Huey. I'll pray it. Yep. I'll pray it, man. This one's an intense one. Nice. Okay. So uh, the, the rosary Thanks, company, God. again, is called Perfectly Flawed. All right. Perfectly Flawed. There we go. Okay, you got a so shout out? I got a couple of books to shout. Now, I was opening the 
the boxes there, and I cut my finger. I had the paper cut from the cardboard box, and I get, think I'm getting soft because I worked for Pizza Hut, and I folded boxes, and the uh, I would get these cuts all the time. And the cardboard paper cut is the worst. That's deep. But um, So I'm bleeding a little bit, but it's worth it because I got to take a look at this the books that are coming in to Catholic stuff. Go on. uh, I got one that says, Confession All, A Humiliating, Tormented Pilgrimage to God's Will. Now, I haven't read any of these books, but I wanted to thank people for sending them and then look forward to uh, checking them out. Yep. Okay. Okay. This one is called Fantastic Vocation by Reverend Joseph Miksch. I think that's how you say his name, Miksch. Miksch. it's uh, it's in celebration of priesthood, you know, and the joys of priesthood. Nice. Do you so know? Um, fits well. He used to uh, he used to have cassette tapes. They nope. were called mix tapes. Oh, oh come on. Uh, do you remember mix tapes? Do you still have any of those around? I Could used you to. Digitize? Is there a way to digitize your old mix? Yeah. Tapes? Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you ever make mix tapes for the the young chicas? I did. Oh man, that was, yep. that's embarrassing to think of. I think I made a couple of mixtapes. Yeah, I tried. Boys to men. Yep, uh, mine was um, <laughs> Casey and JoJo. Oh yeah. Uh, book number three: Counterfeit Spirituality, Exposing the False Gods. Brian Mercier. Okay. Now I don't. I don't even now, know that I'm. So do people like send I, us these or like the s- authors? Um, I think there's um, both both cases. But since I took them out of the packages and I'm not looking at it, I don't know okay. which one is which. So thank you if you wrote the books for sending the books. If you did not write the books and you thought they would be good reads for us, you're very kind. Thank you. All right, folks. Um, we hope you are, are having a great Advent. And uh, we are days away from the Christmas. Um, yeah. Hopefully. Hold out. Just keep it quiet. Keep waiting. And keep it... Uh, Contemplative. I'm always about the contemplative. Keep it quiet. Keep quiet. And Keep listen it waiting. To the Lord. Keep it contemplating. All right. right. God bless you, everybody. Uh, go and write a review on iTunes and let it be more than two stars. There you go. <laughs> Thanks again, Huey. We'll see you later. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. I don't know what we're on. So. Um, if you're listening to us, you're finding us. So we'll talk later. Peace. Peace. Dancing through life.